0: Good morning everybody, my name is Jesse, I'm one of the pastors here. We are continuing a, a message series called Awe, and I'm, I'm really excited about this series because what it's going to do for us, is going to put our attention and our focus on God. And as that happens, I, I, what I think will happen, what I'm hoping and praying will happen, even this morning as we look into Exodus 33, is that God will give us a fresh perspective, a fresh picture of who he is, and as a result we'll have fresh amazement for, for just the essence of who he is. And so uh, if you have a Bible, let's go to Exodus chapter 33. And I'm going to pray as we begin that God would put us in a posture to receive something helpful for us today. Because if there's something we need, something I think we really need right now and in, in this day and age, it is a clear picture of God. So let's ask him to help us with that as we begin this morning. Father, thank you for the freedom to to gather and to look into your word and to experience you as a group of people. We pray that these next few moments would be so helpful for each of us in understanding who you are and how we ought to live as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, let's let's just get right into it, and we're going to read uh, a, a scene as part of a larger scene from the Bible that is so vivid, one of the most vivid pictures of who God is in the Old Testament. Uh, what's happened thus far in the story, just to catch us up, is that God has promised to bless the whole world and he's going to do it by bringing a rescuer through a group of people called the nation of Israel. And what happened to them was they were in slavery in Egypt. God brought them out with miraculous power and and wonders. And and now they're in the wilderness heading to a land that he has promised them. And the leader of these people, Moses, is having this private conversation with God. And what happens here next uh, is quite interesting. So we're just going to start reading in verse 18 down to verse 23. Moses said, and he's saying this to God, please show me your glory. And he, God, said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. We're going to spend our time unpacking what's going on here, and it really is an awesome Picture and I wonder when's the last time you have been awestruck by something? Like the last time you've experienced awe. And I was looking for definitions around this. They usually combine elements of fear or dread with wonder and amazement. It's something overwhelming, something big, something grand, sublime, great, powerful. And I thought, you know, last night actually gave us a pretty fresh illustration from from nature, didn't it? If you were up past 10 p.m., you saw outside or at least maybe heard outside uh, the rarity that is a thunderstorm in the Fraser Valley. And when I was thinking about you know awe and being awestruck, I often my mind often goes to nature. And uh, last summer I was driving through the prairies in Alberta, and the prairies are different if you've never dr- driven through there, uh, where you can see like the entire horizon in your windshield. So there's nothing there's nothing obstructing it, right? You can just see everything. And it was about 1 a.m. I had about a two-hour drive. It was late. I know, uh, but I was I was fully alert, fully awake, and I couldn't help but be that because the largest thunderstorm I have ever experienced was happening and I felt like I was in the eye of it. And last night, don't get me wrong, was impressive, but it was nothing compared to this drive I was on. And I remember at one point, uh, the the water was coming down so intensely, you know, just, just raining really hard, and I, as I was driving and I could see, you know, the horizon of the prairies corner to corner in my windshield, a bolt of lightning, and it was as if it was in slow motion because it was a, quite a distance, I imagine— Bolt of lightning across the entire horizon. I have never seen anything like that. I was in awe, and it got you know even more intense. Like the sound of it, because like I felt like I was right in, in the thick of this. I had I had a sunroof in my vehicle. It, it, oftentimes it felt like it was, like the sun was shining in my car because of the lightning. You know, oftentimes the car was like rattling in the rain, and it was just a really intense experience for me that left me awestruck. Similar to how last night probably left a lot of us with a thunderstorm. We're all designed for this, aren't we? We love to be amazed by things. We're we're wired for awe. So it makes sense then that we can kind of relate with with what Moses is asking here. See, what Moses asks is, please show me your glory. In other words, I want to see you for who you really are. I want to see the essence of your weight, your worth, the the infiniteness of that. I want to see that in a visible way. But what's strange to to me about this request, or at least interesting about this request, is that if you know the story thus far, Moses has seen quite a lot already, hasn't he? Like, more than probably most of us have ever seen in in any single scene from the Exodus story. Like, going all the way back to chapter 3, we've got Moses talking to God, like, audibly it would seem, and there's this, this, this bush that's on fire and it's not burning up. Like that would be quite a lot already. Like I think for most of us in this room, we'd be like, if I had that burning bush experience, I would be very, very convinced of the power of God. But that wasn't even where it stopped for Moses. He's seeing his staff turn into a snake. He's seeing plagues strike this, this, this nation of Egypt uh, over and over, just this, this amazing signs and wonders. He's seeing th- hundreds of thousands of his people, Israel, uh, walking out of this nation, heading to this massive body of water called the Red Sea which God then splits apart so they can walk through all hundreds of thousands of them on dry land like even that alone, like that you think what could be more than that? Well, then, after that, you know water comes from a rock to to provide for them, food comes from heaven they they end up at this mountain there 's fire and lightning and thunder again, lightning and thunder, like that would have been just enough for me, even in that, if that was the only part of the story I had seen, like if I had been born maybe on the way and, and only saw the thunder and lightning, I think I would have been pretty like amazed by that alone, and all of these things stack up, and then Moses says, in addition to all of what had come before. Please show me your glory. With the anticipation that, yeah, Lord, what, all I have seen, I don't want to discount all that. All of that is amazing. All that is wonderful and put me in a position of awe. But there, I know, is more. And maybe, maybe that alone this morning for some of us is, is the message God wants to give to you. That for all of your life experience, for all that you already know, for all that you've already seen and heard, there is more. There is more. You've not reached the end. And I love I'm so inspired by the way by, by some of some of our seniors who have followed Jesus for way longer than I've even been alive and and when I see them on Sundays with fresh amazement, continued awe at the Word of God and the character of God and the activity of God. I, I had a conversation in in our foyer once after a service and and one of our seniors was just just like had no words to describe what we had talked about in this room minutes before because it was like. Our God is that amazing and, and it inspires me and reminds me there, there is more for me. There is more for you to experience. And this is why I love Moses' request and kind of can relate to it and, and maybe we should relate to it more is there's more to press into here. There's more. But perhaps more amazing than the question that Moses asks is the answer that God gives. So Moses asks for this and God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And by the way, whenever we see Lord, L-O-R-D, all in caps, that's our English replacement for this this Hebrew name that God gives them, Yahweh, to relate uh, to them by. And he says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Basically meaning there is a widespread reach that my goodness has, and from time to time throughout history, it is going to be seen in power. But God says, and this this just, just floors me, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Like I used to think God had some sort of secret to him that he didn't really want people to know, so as soon as they saw him, you know, he just kind of silenced the witnesses, you know. That's not it. What it is is you literally cannot stand before me in my presence because of how infinitely beyond you I am as your creator. And beyond just being creator, because of how pure and holy I am in addition to that. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft of the rock. I'll cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll take away my hand. You shall see my back. Basically, you shall see where I just was, not where I right in front of you am. You will see where I was, like the aftermath, the afterglow of what just occurred but my face shall not be seen. I think a big idea here that we need to grab onto is that we need God's help to experience God. We need his help to experience him. And if this is a big idea, there's kind of two supporting realities that come out of this scene for us, and that first massive reality is that God's glory is incomparably Intense. There's lots of ways you could describe it this morning, but when I see this, when I see the, the need to, to put you behind a rock on this hill, I'm gonna cover that with my power, and then I'm gonna pass by, and you're, after even all of that, you're still not gonna see me face to face. You're gonna see where I was. It's because my glory is incomparably intense. It's amazing, it's vivid, it's powerful. Uh, isn't, it, isn't it crazy? God's glory is so powerful that only God's power can allow us to experience his glory. That is, that is remarkable to me. Like, like that, that is the God we're after. And if you're thinking, okay, these, these words of God and these words of glory, you know, we've heard them in church. You, you probably have maybe even said them in a church uh, gathering of, of some sort. And, and I don't want to just kind of breeze by the, the, the language here just because we've heard it before. Because this is really good news for us. The fact that God is so glorious is good news for us if if for nothing else other than none of us gets excited about something that is dull, lackluster, or boring, do we? Like, nobody's lining up for that kind of thing. Like, I was thinking about all the types of things you you and I would line up for, uh, apparently, uh, worldwide, Tennis has some of the longest lineups. And perhaps after yesterday, we might want to get lining up more as Canadians because of the result of the U.S. Open. But apparently every year in Wimbledon, or at Wimbledon, uh, they have just these crazy lines. Apparently, going back to 1991, there, was a, there, there were lineups recorded of about 18,000 fans. And some of these lineups, they said, stretched for like a mile and a half. With some of these people spending like 20 hours to go and watch tennis. Tennis, right? Like 20 hours for that. That's crazy. Some of you see the lineup at the border for five minutes, and you're like, nah, not worth the gas drive today, fam. Like, we're out of here, right? Like 20 hours. And maybe tennis isn't the thing for you. I, apparently, you know, if, if you've ever been to Disney World or Disneyland, you know, there, there's some lineups involved there. Uh, there's a ride at, at Disney World in Florida. That's uh, an avatar ride. It's a ride that lasts, by the way, four minutes. And the longest verified wait time was over five hours. Like five hours for four minutes of amazing experience, right? Like this is because we go to things. We will be patient for things. We will line up for things that are amazing experiences, won't we? But for a God that's incomparably intensely glorious could you imagine could you imagine what it would be like if there was lineups for for this place on a sunday morning Could you imagine, like, I met our, our, well, the guy who opens and closes the doors uh, after Sunday's uh, out in the foyer this morning. Could you imagine, uh, his name's Warren, he's in a red shirt, Uh, if you see him, say hi to him. Uh, You know, could you imagine if if he's, you know, wandering around in our building, uh, you know, early hours of Sunday morning, and there's just, like, hundreds of people waiting for him, you know, to make his way to the door to open it, because it's like, we are here to worship and celebrate an amazingly, incomparably glorious God. Could you imagine if we were that church? Yeah. <laughs> Could you could you could you see what that would, how that would play out and you know you invite a friend and it's like why why are people lining up for this like what what this is this is church on Sunday and I've heard there's lots of churches uh, in Abbotsford like this is just what people do on Sunday right and you're going no actually we're lining up because an incomparably glorious God has so much grace and mercy and power and so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son to die for us and rise from the dead for us so that we could have eternal life, and that is somebody we're coming to celebrate every Sunday. And yes, I'm going to line up for that because there is nothing more awesome to line up for. Wouldn't you love to be that church? Wouldn't you love to go to that church where you're driving in at 9 a.m. and you're going, oh, I think we're going to have to go to the 11 now. No, No seats, right? Couldn't you imagine that? God's glory being so amazing is such good news for you and for me and the power of it just just blows my mind uh, a second big supporting reality uh, of all this is that not only is he incomparably intense when it comes to his glory but god's grace is radically powerful his grace is radically powerful because if the only way to experience god is really through his help then we're going to need him to do something right and why, why would you, if you if you were so infinitely beyond someone or something in every way imaginable, in terms of holiness, you know, righteousness, perfection, sheer size and magnitude, why why would you reveal yourself in such a, a personally you know intimate and revealing revealing way? The only reason you would do it is out of love and God out of his love and out of his grace, is gracious enough to give us a glimpse of his glory and is gracious enough to give Moses this. I think for us, like, wow. Have I understood? Have I understood how radical that idea is? For a God of this size to go Jesse, I want you to experience me. You were designed for this. I'm going to give you some help. And that help is going to be in the form of grace. And that grace is going to be in the person of Jesus who's going to live a life you couldn't live to measure up to to something that 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 is the perfection of the law. And he's going to take all of your wrongdoing on himself and he's going to be the help you need to experience who you were designed for. So so, what have we done with that? You know what? It's, it's like Mo, Mo, God, Moses asks this, right? God does not need to answer Moses. God's more powerful than Moses. God's infinitely more powerful than Moses. So Moses can't just force God to do this. There's nothing that is making God do what he does. There's nothing forcing God to be gracious enough to allow this to happen. He doesn't have to do anything, but he does. Think of how many things he did not have to do for you or for me, but he did. And beyond just just the most important thing of, of coming to die on the cross for us and rise from the dead, beyond all that, think of all the other things on top of all that as if that was not enough that he does, not because he has to, but because he wants to. Like the fact that we're all breathing right now, for example. He doesn't have to do anything, but he does everything. And his grace is radically powerful enough to allow us to experience this. Look, I, I hope what you're seeing here, I hope what you're seeing in this scene is a God that is, that is fully awesome. Awesome both because of his glory and because of his grace. And I wonder when we hear the word God, when we think of God, when we conceptualize him in our minds, do we think of maximum glory and maximum grace? Are those the things that come to mind? Because I I really hope for me that this this is the posture I carry throughout my week. You know, out of everything uh, God could have, could have said, you know, I'll cause my justice to pass by, I'll cause my holiness to pass by you. What he says is, I'll cause my goodness to pass by you. And grace and mercy are gonna be the, the, the opening to all of this. Look, if God is, if God is boring to you, if God is kind of dull to you, if God really isn't that awesome and just this kind of becomes sort of, you know, just an add-on to your week, you know, the moment you start thinking God is boring, it's the moment you actually have stopped thinking about him. Because that's not who he is at all. He's incomparable when it comes to his glory. And he's radically powerful when it comes to his grace. So what do we, so what do, we do with this? I, I think I want to present to us three different categories of response based on probably three different categories we might find ourselves in in life. And the, and the first category has to do with those who are maybe, you know, maybe you're new to church, maybe you're seeking, searching, uh, or maybe there's something going on in your life right now that as much as you might agree that God is big and great and awesome, there's also something big and scary and distracting in your life right now. What do we do with all of what we've heard? If you're in any part of that category, I would suggest and I would encourage you to just make a move. Make a move towards God. We heard last week that seeking him connects us to him because that's what he wants. So make a move towards him. You know, maybe for you, it's not even necessarily a big move. You don't necessarily need to go from zero to 100 here. But maybe the move is... I'm actually going to talk to him about this big, distracting thing that's in my life right now. I haven't been talking to him about it. Uh, I've been scared to talk to him about it. In fact, I'm pretty frustrated that it's here, and, and, and I don't really know exactly what I would say if I were to talk to God. But maybe that's the move you need to make. Maybe the move you need to make is to ask somebody to pray with you, to pray for you. Maybe the move you need to make is to ask some questions, to keep searching through using your doubts. Maybe the move you need to make is to go to Alpha or to come back next week. I don't know what the move is, but make a move towards God because I, I, I promise you as we see in his word, and as he himself will meet you as you are seeking him, he is a God of grace and glory that you cannot miss out on. So make a move. And maybe, maybe that move is, is to, you know, and I know there's a bit of a barrier, even when we talk about the fact that we're going to talk about the Old Testament and the clear picture of God from the Old Testament, might be like, well, yeah, well, you guys are focusing so much on, on the Old Testament, God. Uh, I, I'm i more interested in, in the New Testament, God. Look, can we put to rest, based on this scene, and based on how that connects with Jesus, that there is only one God. And as even John says in John 1, look, we saw Jesus, we saw the glory of God in Jesus, and what the that look like? Grace and truth. Just like we see in this scene all the way here. Maybe your move is just to consider Jesus, to consider this God, and to seek him. Maybe a a second category uh, of response or a second kind of group uh, of people. Uh, You know, you've got questions. You're not really even sure. Like, you've got more questions than answers even after we've read all this. Like, what does it mean that God has a back and a face and all that? We haven't even unpacked all of that. Like, what's going on here? I I can't understand all of what there is to understand about God. Maybe you need to allow yourself to wonder. Because, yeah, there is a place in Christianity for asking questions, but what I also love, on the other hand, is a place to just sit back, process, ponder, and be amazed that we cannot figure all of this out. In fact, if we could figure all of this out, I'd be a bit concerned that God is not as incomparably glorious as I thought he was, because I could put him in the, in the box that my questions dictate, right? And if we can't do that, maybe that's a very good thing. Maybe that person that you, you want to, to have come to church, that you want to have come to faith in Jesus, has these questions that you don't have answers to and you feel a bit ashamed about that. You know, you're going to school or to work and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to answer a question if they ask me something. Maybe that's actually good news. Maybe that's actually uh, something God wants to free you from to go, actually, you're not going to get to the end of all of these questions because I am beyond those questions. I'm in a totally different league than those questions. I'm a God who when, they, they, when Moses wanted to see me, I had to hide him behind a rock with my power, with my hand, and only so that he could see where I was after all of that. And his face was just shining with glorious like, vividness after that. You're not going to figure out that whole scene. You're not going to figure out me, but you are going to have enough to go on to trust me. And I really appreciate what scholar uh, John Goldingay says about this scene. He says, you know, it, it's, it's a mysterious thing to try, and, to try and talk about the presence of God. You, you can hardly say things that seem contradictory. But what this story does is it assures Moses, it assures Israel and us that God's presence really goes with us. His goodness, his compassion, his grace and to allow yourself to be in a place of amazement and wonder to go, I don't know how all this works. I don't know how, how to explain all this. All I know is that it is awesome. It is awesome. Allow yourself to wonder. And maybe a third thing, and this for me personally is the, is the main thing I think about. You know, I, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I'm trying to know him and follow him better in my life. For me, it's to turn up the volume See, when I think about something that, that, that gives me awe, like a, like a thunderstorm, I'm amazed by the volume of a storm. Not just like the, the, the power in the sound of lightning and thunder, uh, but also like the amount, the quantity of water that comes down, you know? Just, just incredibly powerful. Uh, and volume is sort of a versatile word because it can refer to both you know, degree of power, but also you know, quantity of space and how much space something is taking up. Like, look, what is it if we have got a God of maximum glory, maximum goodness, maximum grace, is my response of gratitude and worship and my lifestyle, is, that, is it a maximum response? Does it correlate with him properly? Because if God really is a God of maximum glory, maximum grace, then my response of worship should be a maximum response in terms of its volume, in terms of my own intensity in how I follow him and worship him, but also in terms of the amount of spaces in which worship and pursuing God's glory has in my life. And so for me personally, I am I am challenged by this scene. I am challenged by this message to consider what is the degree (laughs) of intensity, what is the amount of space that that worship and gratitude has in my life for the fact that there is a God who's incomparably intense in his glory but has helped us, made a way for us to experience radically powerful grace so that life and amazement could be found in relationship with him. Maybe we need to, to turn up the volume like, I don't know if you've ever, like, shared a vehicle with somebody. We have one vehicle in, in my house, and uh, when I, I often, you know, I'll listen to, to podcasts while I'm driving, uh, but for some reason, I don't know why this is, uh, I'll, uh, my Bluetooth system with my phone and my car, uh, I have to turn the volume to maximum to really hear it while I'm driving. I don't know what that is, but sometimes, uh, when I get out of the car, I forget to reset the volume to where it was, so then my wife, Janelle, gets in the car, you know, to, to do whatever she's going to do, and it's a, quite a startling effect when she turns on the car and the radio is where it was. You ever had that happen? You know, maybe it was the radio in the car, uh, you know, the the headphones on your device. You know, you had your device turned up to maximum uh, and then you're gonna put your headphones in to listen to something later and you plop them in your ears. and Whoa, like that's that startling, you know? What if we were a church where when people get exposed to our lives, it's like a startling volume effect hits them. It's like, whoa, you're, you are living to a degree of, of, of a maximum intensity and maximum space in your life where all I see is gratitude in you for this experience of Jesus that you say you have. All I'm seeing is this worship, this, this, this love, all, all of this coming out of who you say God is and what he's done for you. Like, this is, this is I, I need to ask about this. I need to see this for myself. What would, that, what would that be like for your family, your friends, your coworkers, to see that kind of maximum volume come out of a maximum experience of God and his goodness, grace, and glory? So let's pray that God helps us in this. Whatever category you find yourself in, that we would have fresh awe because of a God of grace and glory. Father, help us to seek you. Help us to pursue your glory. Help us to see places where we're, where we're just kind of ignorant of the fact that you are so worthy of us knowing and following you and giving you our lives. Help me in that. Help, help all of us in this room with that not just for our own benefit and for our own good and the, and the good of those that, that we know, but so that appropriately you would receive glory from our lives because that is the most appropriate thing that could come from it. Help us to worship you now in these next few moments with just a fresh awe, a fresh wonder, a fresh amazement for who you are and for what you've done.